Welcome to Nature Packed Podcast of Single Earth. My name is Tarmo Virki, and in this episode, we are talking with Max Pauschau from Startup Wise Guys. Enjoy the show. Hey there, I'm Merit. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Single Earth, and we are building a nature-backed currency to empower you to fight against climate change and biodiversity loss. Sign up at single.earth and be among the first to switch to a truly sustainable, nature-based economy. And don't forget to join the discussion around climate change and biodiversity loss on our Discord channel. Enjoy the show. Hi, Max. Uh, welcome to the Nature Backed. Hi, Timer. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about your background, what what you have been you doing, and uh, I know you're these di- these days involved also the startup Wise Guys uh, sustainability program. So let's dig a little bit deeper to the background. Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm originally from Belgium, uh, based in Denmark, uh, and I've taken the role of general partner startup Wise Guys uh, earlier uh, in in 2021, uh, and I take care mostly of the sustainability program that we have in Copenhagen and all the investments that we're making within sustainability. And your personal background, instead of, and in addition to Belgium, what, what else have you been doing? So um, I left Belgium quite early. I felt that the country um, uh, didn't have the infrastructure for the, the things that I wanted to do. Uh, and therefore, I started uh, going south, uh, worked in Paris for a, a coconut uh, water brand. Uh, that was a really fun, coming from New York, that was a really fun uh, a small uh, startup project uh, that was launched in in France, and I think now they are, they, the progress has been tremendous. Um, and then I continued doing going south. Uh, ended up in Spain, in Barcelona, to take a, to take an MBA. Uh, eventually met my wife, uh, and then we decided to to move to London. Uh, and I started working for a startup at the time uh, within money transfers, so a financial technology startup, um, where I joined a team where we were rather small. A small team of, of 40, 50 people um, and, and receive a lot of investment from California and for, from Silicon Valley. And therefore, the, the company went on a complete crazy growth uh, where we, we managed to, over the course of five years, to become a unicorn, uh, hire uh, over 700 people. Um, and, and that's the time where I left because my heart lies with startups. Uh, and therefore, I wanted to continue going into that uh, that route and, and continue working with smaller structures and, and passionate founders. Mm-hmm. The uh, sustainability program uh, at Wise Guys, it's been f- batch two or three these days. So the, the initial idea of this sustainability program is that we started, uh, uh, we started one in 20, 2021. Uh, we started the, the first sustainability program in Tallinn. Um, we wanted to we wanted to better understand the desire from investors and also from startups to have such a such an acceleration program within sustainability. Um, looking at the success of, of this program, then we decided to continue and uh, create a program that was more permanent based in Copenhagen and that was focused on sustainability. And when we understand sustainability, which is a rather large and, and big word that, uh, that includes a lot of different things, where we see sustainability is where there is an impact on CO2. So we have to either reduce CO2 or have a complete drawdown of CO2. Um, and, and, uh, and the program in Copenhagen is really much focused on the CO2 aspect and even more precisely within food, agriculture, biodiversity and forestry. Okay, so relatively kind of targeted niche. 
Yeah, exactly. We, we believe that Denmark is a fantastic sandbox for, for those kind of companies. Um, we have some very large uh, companies that are active within agriculture and food in Denmark, and therefore creating new innovation can really um, can really be a great yeah, sandbox for, for those companies to, to create, to partner with those larger companies and to really figure out what's the best way to approach this or this client um, and how to create a, a, a sustainable solution that really has an impact on the world. Mm. Uh, taking carbon as the kind of the key maybe philosophy or the key key uh, thinking that I can, I can see the merger with the food and the agriculture most likely focusing on the you know non-animal based foods right exactly I think that there are many reports um, we we like to look at the drawdown research project uh, that is out of the of the US. And that is really listing uh, food and agriculture as a top CO2 emitter. And so it represents, according to different studies, around 24-25% of all CO2 emissions in the world. So this is, a, this is a, a segment that needs to be tackled, that needs to be worked on, and that has also easy access to solutions with a low amount of uh, hardware components. Uh, when we look at energy, it's a completely different uh, system where larger players can really do a lot. Um, we have Ørsted in, in Denmark that is uh, doing a fantastic job on, on, on this aspect, um, but that requires a lot of cash and a lot of hardware components within that specific industry. So focusing on, on agriculture and food uh, is something that really has a direct impact on carbon and that we can really leverage from small-scale solutions. Mm -hmm. And kind of the low initial investment to get things started. You don't need to spend billions to, you know, build carbon capture hardware systems or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our, our initial investment deal is is fairly low. Uh, we have uh, we invest eighty thousand euros uh, for up to nine percent equity into the companies. And and if you look at a company that really is doing carbon capture, then suddenly that that eighty thousand is is going nowhere, unfortunately. So what we want is also to leverage. The amount of investment, but especially all the all the teachings, all the learnings that we can give the startups during the program to um, to grow their sales, but also grow their impact. Mm. Uh, how do you see the kind of uh, demand for such accelerator? I mean, is there is there enough startups uh, in the right phase to actually you know apply or uh, you know for you to kind of coach and uh, help further? There, there is. I mean, it's always a struggle to find the right startups. Um, there is also there is a big um, shift in mentality around investors and startups, uh, understanding that there is a lot more money going into sustainability these days, especially also in in the Nordics as a general um, point of view in, in region of Europe. I think it's um, it's always interesting to meet startups that are bringing sustainability as a byproduct um, and, and not having it as a core of the business, just because there is a little bit of buzz around uh, sustainability impact and carbon. Um, so I think it's, it's hard to find, as always, it's hard to find companies that are really, um, really in the right settings, in the right mindset, in the right uh, sta state of mind for the business. Um, to to uh, to get them on board, um, but at the same time, we so the, the end 
a goal for us is to get 10 companies uh, as part of the program that are joining us uh, for the next batch that is starting in October. The 10 companies, that, that's the goal. And so we have hundreds of applications and we just need to go through those hundreds of applications and figuring out what's, what kind of great impact those companies could have. But the most important is, of course, and as everybody else is looking across all the verticals, is a good team, is a, is a great co-founders. That, that is probably the most important point that we're looking Mm, and uh, exactly how I've been also coaching in uh, some of the Startup Wise Guys programs and, and many other accelerators. I think the one of the key or maybe one of the most interesting things often with those uh, companies in the accelerators is uh, their uh, coachability. I mean, part of that mindset uh, point you were making, because some of them are, I mean, often they probably don't end up in the programs, but many, many of them are you know fixed what they do and there is uh, even even if there are clear signs that they should be changing something they are fixed on not doing anything and and then you kind of see that they you know either they you know be the biggest thing on planet earth or they just won't fly yeah exactly exactly i think there is what we see it needs to be win-win so it needs to be a win for us, of course, from a financial perspective, otherwise we wouldn't survive. Uh, but it also needs to be a win for the, for the founders and the company, of course. Um, if there's no way we can coach them, then they can't leverage on all the teachings we give them. Mm. So that would be a waste of time on, on both parts. And, and there's a fair amount of cash that is available uh, for, sustain, for true sustainable companies. So it's not like we are unique in, in, in this way. Um, where we're unique is very much in the teachings uh, that we have during the program. Mm. The, the, the number that we like to, to tell our investors and to tell the startups is that we have 80% survival rate in the portfolio. So that really means that either we are selecting great companies or either we're doing something good during the accelerator. Mm. And, and I, s- I strongly suspect that we're doing, we're doing something good on both sides. Mm. Um, so having a win-win is, is definitely something we're looking for. This is definitely the philosophy of startup-wise guys. Mm. And vol- I mean, eighty uh, percent put to put into perspective also volume-wise. You know, the, I don't know hundreds or thousands team these days. Oh, this eighty percent on it's not like eight teams of ten have survived, but it's probably like more like eight hundred out of thousand or. It's 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 more uh, in the range of eight thousand out of hundred. Now we have so we, we we started in Estonia in 2012. So we're celebrating our 10 year anniversary this year in 2020, 2022. Yes, um, and we've invested in more than uh, 300 companies. Okay, um, but we're accelerating. We have an exponential growth right now because we are going to invest in about 100 company this year alone. So it means that we're just ramping up the numbers, really discovering new new startups, developing new verticals, and the sustainability program is part of this diversification of verticals that we have across Europe. And so having 80% survival rate in the portfolio really means that all, all these companies are going to eventually exit. Uh, some of them are on the path to become complete unicorns, but some of them are also um, having steady businesses, steady growth. Uh, they, they're going to go into these hundreds of millions valuations and, and that is completely fine. We don't need having uh, 300, 80% of the, of the portfolio doesn't need to be 80% of unicorns. Uh, what we want is also having steady businesses, businesses that are really bringing impact and now very much more specifically on sustainability to have those businesses 
bringing a real impact on the CO2 and onto this world. Cool. Uh, very, very cool stuff. The um, Talking a little bit, why Denmark? I mean, you kind of touched up, up on it a little bit uh, with the uh, you know, availability of the companies in this sector. But um, what else? I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, also uh, kind of green tech or climate tech funds popping up in uh, Copenhagen and Malmö and in that region. Is there something kind of bubbling under the uh, surface in the, in the, in the area? I mean, it, it is no surprise that Scandinavia as a whole uh, is really one step ahead of the rest of the world regarding sustainability. Um, so there's a lot of the mentalities already changed here. Um, investments is, is going towards sustainability, is going towards impact startups. And, um, and based on a study that was made by, by Danske Bank, is Scandinavia has the most capital going to in percentage going to sustainability startups than to other startups. So there's a really, there's a really big um, opportunity here in, in Denmark and in Scandinavia as a whole to really create companies and, and founders that can really change the world. Now, we're taking this Denmark ID uh, associated with a Startup Wise Guys identity and, um, and motto, which is that we're investing in underserved markets. So what we want is to bring the good companies and the good talents coming from mostly Eastern Europe and to bring them to Copenhagen. That means that we're going to take all those talents and we're going to bring them to a world where people are already one step ahead and therefore really want to embrace those new solutions. So um, instead of having only Danish solutions for Danish market, we want to bring international solutions for Danish market. Uh, and then and then accelerate them from here. Mm. The uh, is this uh, program starting in October? Is that the first one in Denmark, or have you had one in Denmark already? We've had we had one in Denmark that started in January. Uh, okay. They graduated in May, um, so they are also fresh out of the accelerator. Mm. Um, but we we still want to continue, and we yeah. still want to continue our expansion and and getting ten new companies with a new batch. Mm. Uh, starting in, in October. How did it go? I mean, uh, in the fir- in the first Danish batch, uh, was it all companies doing uh, plant-based food, or what was the kind of uh, range of the companies in the in the batch? So we've had a, a wide range of companies. We have, of course, companies within food and agriculture. We have companies within biodiversity. We even had a company uh, that is active within energy management. Uh, we felt that the company was too awesome to let him go. Uh, and therefore, we, we really wanted them on board. So um, so it went really well. Uh, we had nine companies, uh, one one investment in direct, because we felt that the, the company was too mature and, and too experienced to join the accelerator. And that would not have been a win-win, as I was, I was, mm-hmm. as I was speaking earlier. Um, so we had eight companies in the accelerator and one outside. And, and out of all those companies, I think they all of course, they're still surviving. Uh, they're all performing at different levels. I think it's also a little bit early since they graduated in May. It's mm-hmm. still a little bit early to say uh, which one is going to outperform the rest. Um, but we have we have some interesting cases. Um, we have one case, uh, one company that is called Sensigrass. Um, it's, it's a startup that is helping farmers and companies to reduce uh, chemical fertilizer usage. So they have some kind of a 
a soil intelligence platform that is using sensors and artificial intelligence to give recommendations to the clients. And, and the fun part of this is that they, we ask them, of course, to make some kind of plan on growth and expectations of future sales. Um, and they've overcome those, uh, those expectations and therefore they're struggling with a backlog. Uh, so, so they have too much sales, uh, and and so they're also seeking help on to figuring out how the heck they're gonna they're gonna manage all those sales and all those clients coming their way. So I think it's um, it's great to see that they really need to hire people and they work around the clock in order to to satisfy the demand. Um, but for the underperforming companies, they're also working around the clock in order to ramp up their sales. Mm-hmm. So it converts us in, into the idea that we probably invested in the right founders the founders that are really dedicated and motivated and continue to work hard in order to deliver those good solutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a you know, most beautiful, positive program that, or problem that there is too much demand, right? Yes, exactly. It's, it's, a bit, it's a bit strange, but we hope to happen for, for all our companies. <laughs> I mean, let's be realistic. It can't be all of them, but, uh, you know, with a bit of... 80%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a bit of work and it, it can, can help, of course. Um, is there any kind of... Um, do you have any kind of uh, accelerator-wide sustainability uh, program or, uh, I don't know, the... Uh, ideas or how, how the wise guys programs across there across Europe could be more green it's a good question um, I think that from from the accelerator perspective we're doing our best to to create this new um, ID with with new mentors to really help the startups having uh, sustainability at the core of the business from the investment perspective, um, there are new regulations that are coming now from European at the European level, um, especially within the EU taxonomy, which is this this new language uh, around sustainability and impact that is trying to get rid of the of the greenwashing uh, that many companies are, are doing. And so, from from that perspective, we believe that we want to comply first with those new regulations, and we believe that this is going to help the entire industry to move towards a greener and a more truly sustainable uh, investment platform. Mm, I think, uh, yeah, the the quarterly reporting requirements of the ESG things and all all these things are kind of nice additions to the the investors uh, or the funds. Yes, that that is true. I think ESG can be taken, it's, it's a step in the right direction, that is for sure but it should be taken with a pinch of salt. Um, many companies have to report on the ESG, of course, um, but sometimes we see some some strange developments of, of this new kind of ranking or metric that people are using. I think this um, Elon Musk was, was recently complaining about the fact that Tesla was not part of the S&P 500 um, uh, ESG index, uh, but six oil companies were part of it. <laughs> So how do you rank an old company higher than Tesla, who I'm not, I mean, I've not been digging into it, but, but that seems to be strange on the surface. Very, very much so. I think the, the challenge is that with a, you know, classical accounting, you have all the rules and regulations in place, basically, how you count for every euro. With ESG, there is just a framework of, uh, you know, which is aiming for good, but the uh, but all the nitty-gritty details are up to uh, most of the companies themselves. So, so while the idea 
is uh, beneficial for the industries you know across the globe the challenge is that if you implement things uh, you know you know in a greenwashing way you can you can you know create anything you want under the ESG umbrella this this is indeed a little bit of the issue um, i think it's it becoming a game that that some companies are playing and try to of course you need to rank high uh, because mutual funds and other large equity funds uh, are will be uh, looking at this ESG reports and ESG rankings so they will have to comply with this but but as i was saying i think it's a step in the right direction yeah. anyway uh, because they all start to report on this so instead of looking at the ranking uh, i think it's really interesting and i personally do is look at the actual report of the ESG and look at what what exactly do they report mm. um i think that that's a very interesting uh, way to look at it alongside the financials of course mm. the uh, in one of the previous podcast episodes we came to the conclusion that, that uh, probably one of the best business ideas is to launch a greenwashing consultancy you know it, in the in the startup world it could be called greenify right and um, you know maybe apply for the next uh, startup wise guys uh, sustainability patch <laughs> that would be that would be quite interesting uh, i think this is it, i mean we have a lot of like companies that are already trying to measure and understand better all those um, all those sustainability angles that the companies are taking and and what kind of impact they're doing um, most of them are also trying to report heavily onto this new eu taxonomy mm. so that could be linked with that um, but it's it's a hard job it requires also a lot of companies to start disclosing all the activities and um, and so far i see the european union as being a leader within that field um, but the rest of the world still needs to to follow through and that might take a little bit of time mm. what's your take on how this um, world situation is changing the whole sustainability landscape i mean from one end uh, we've seen some of the investment markets slowing because of uh, you know markets crash and the war and so on in europe from the other end uh, hearing that i'm hearing that you know sustainability sector is something which is i mean even if it there might be some dents on the road uh, eventually it has to be the one where you know the most money money will be flowing anyway because otherwise there will be no money anyway in the end it's um i mean from a global perspective it, it is it is really troubling uh, i think that uh, that as as a as an entire world we'll probably need to reflect upon uh, how we arrange our economic activities and and how we arrange also ourselves from from um, from a global perspective now within the early uh, early stage investing and accelerator perspective Uh, many have been saying that uh, the current macroeconomic crisis doesn't really impact or affect uh, affect them um, because they are too early and therefore those large valuation and and those large companies that are highly dependent on multiple countries um, is not really the case for for small scale startups but at the same time um, what we see within all startups is that some of them who have a hardware component are still relying upon global shortage of of materials so so they also need to find alternative solutions um we have also one very practical example uh we've invested in January into a company out of Ukraine uh, that is doing recyclable materials um within packaging and um 
And so it's just, it's a matter of figuring out, it, it's less a matter of business, it's a matter of like where the founders are going to go. And therefore we, we also created some kind of a, a crisis uh, team that was trying to help all those startups that we invested in in Ukraine to relocate if they wanted to, to move away or to, to find alternative ways of, of doing business if they wanted to stay in Ukraine. Mm. So that's a very practical example. And now we see uh, quite recently that the Y Combinator, uh, who sent this, this very famous letter to all the all their startups saying that uh, they should uh, beware of the, of the new uh, financial crisis and economical crisis, um, and, and now what they are doing is that they're investing 40%, they're including 40% less startups in the new batch than they were investing in uh, for, the, for the former batch. Um, so it also means that economical crisis is affecting us at different levels, um, but also the further we go into that crisis, the more we see the impact and the repercussions it has onto small scale businesses and small startups. Um, so, so we hope for the best um, and, and we are monitoring all our startups very, very carefully. Um, but, but only future will tell um, what actually the impact has been. Mm. I met the, this Ukrainian startup you mentioned at uh, Latitude 59 in Tallinn. They, they're doing some amazing stuff. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, it's, it's, it, finding them was, was amazing. I think that they were, so they are creating a packaging made of mycelium and hemp. Um, and they and they managed to get some great deals with L'Oreal, and they also got some grants from Visa. So there was also a backing from larger corporations. Um, and and it was a matter of figuring out how to get this production line um, easy to develop and deploy, um, but easy access for also the the end users. Uh, and I think that the biggest development we've had during the during the accelerator is to get the right experts on board and to start thinking of how to create a production line inside a container. Um, mm. So instead of having a large production line that has a, some kind of specific location in a plant somewhere in, in Ukraine or, or somewhere mm. else, uh, at least we could bring this into containers and, and bring this container straight to the factory where the packagings are needed. Mm. And so we decrease also the amount of time that the packaging is in transport, avoid the transportation of empty packaging, which is probably worse and therefore the CO2 mm. aspect can be a little bit random here. Um, so, so this is also one of the startups that we are really happy about, uh, that we see progressing, but that we also understand that from their life in mid-January when we invested into them uh, of 2022 up to now when they are based in Spain and, and rebuilding everything, um, we can't ask also them to, to ramp up their sales. So mm. it's, it's different, different founders and different businesses and different stages of growth, but we still very much believe in, in all of our startups. Mm, cool. I think uh, that's a good point to start wrapping up. So the next batch starts in October. The deadline to apply is when? The deadline to apply is by early September. Mm. Um, so the point is really much that if you have an innovative ID and, and you're looking to accelerate your sales, but also your impact and sustainability, then, uh, then we potentially are a good match. Uh, so, of course, it would be nice to, to talk. Mm. Is idea enough or do they need to be, I don't know, incorporated, having monthly revenues? What's the, what's the kind of the key criteria? So we typically invest at early stage. Um, we don't want to, to say that we are seed funding or pre-seed funding because now 
all those stages a little bit mixed up. But early stage, that, that's what we do. Um, we ideally have companies with uh, recurring revenues, small recurring revenues. So there's a validation from the market. Um, and we're also looking for great teams. That, that, is, that is, again, a very important factor. We could, we could invest in pre-revenue businesses. Uh, that is fine, too, if we, we strongly believe in the team. Um, but ideally, we want to see some kind of, um, some kind of um, uh, market uh, demand. So we also understand that, uh, that there is a certain valida- validation uh, at one point in, into the market. And as you say, the focus is food, agriculture, biodiversity, but overall sustainability. So any, any, anyone who thinks their startup is a sustainability startup uh, should apply. Exactly. If they have a CO2 reduction component, they should. Mm. Cool. Thank you, Max, for this discussion. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to, to be with you today. Join us again for the next episode. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please give us a good rating and leave the feedback in your podcast player so others will find it too. We will be back next week. Turn on to Nature Backed Podcast. DC, I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Yeah.